The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Well, welcome everyone. It's Dr. Ron Hanningaki again, and we're having the Real Health Podcast. And today's special because I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new doctor at the Reardon Clinic, and he is my guest today, Dr. Arden Anderson. How how do you like to be referred, to? Dr. Arden, Dr. Anderson? Uh, you know, we didn't talk about this. I'm Dr. Yeah, Ron because no one yeah. can pronounce my last name. Yeah. Um, it's whatever people are comfortable with. Uh, some people, Dr. Arden, some people, Dr. Anderson. It's it's fine either way. I'm not too hung up on that either way, as long as they don't call me late for dinner, you know. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I'm going to go Dr. Arden. So we're kind of, we're, 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 that's good. A team. And so, uh, so, I'm excited because you come from a farming background and we in the, oh, the last several years have been talking about the importance of the metabolic terrain of the individual in terms of maintaining really good health. And so that naturally alludes to the fact that we have to get our food from the soil, but from what you and I have talked about uh, the soil is not what it used to be. And, and I'm, I'm wondering how has this, uh, informed your practice as a, an osteopathic doctor in integrative medicine? Well, thank you, Ron, for that question. And, uh, absolutely. Agriculture is completely linked to human health, starting with the soil and, Unfortunately, yes, over the last, well, actually it's been the last couple hundred years, we have both eroded the soil physically, so we have less of it, the topsoil, but at the same time, we have altered it in such a way that even what nutrients are there are less available. We've oxidized a lot of them. And even though we may have, for example, iron present, manganese present, zinc, and so on, if they are oxidized, they're actually toxic. Uh And so because of modern agricultural approaches, they're highly oxidative. So one, it burns out the carbon in the soil, but at the same time, oxidizes the nutrients. And so we end up with more and more nutrient deficient food which is played out in more weeds, diseases, and insects. And conventional agriculture's approach to that is rather than 
addressing the cause, which is nutrition. Oh, we'll just genetically engineer the crop. Mm -hmm. So it's unaffected by this new virus or whatever. Well, the problem with that is nature still wins because it's only a matter of time when that variety then becomes susceptible to the next level of virus or infection of some type or insect, whatever it might be, because you can't fool nature. And the bottom line is, is that the reason we have weeds, diseases and insects is because there's a nutritional deficiency and nutritional imbalance and chemical agriculture like chemical medicine only seeks to search and destroy, whether it's search and destroy a tumor in a person or it's search and destroy some disease in a crop. It's still all about the disease, not the host, not the crop or the soil. And so the two go hand in hand and really long term for us to survive on this planet. We have to recognize that because part of that whole chemical mindset has also increased the number of toxins then directly in our food, directly in our water systems, in our soil, in our air in every aspect that contacts us. So that makes our job as physicians even more difficult because now we not only have to deal with the nutrition deficiencies, we have to deal with the toxins, the pesticides, the pollutants that further rob us of nutrition and health. You're an osteopathic doctor and I know that the, the philosophical foundation of osteopathy is, is more holistic. And I'm wondering, is, did, that, did your background in agriculture draw you to osteopathic or was that just, did that just become the best way for you to get into medicine? And then your interest then drove your, your career from there. Um, yes, it did drive me to osteopathy because that was what was sold to me, if you will, before I went to medical school, that osteopaths approached it more from a holistic family practice approach rather than a, a specialty uh, approach. And part of that influence was, is when I was in high school, our team doctor was an osteopath and he was an old time osteopath who was um, a primary care doctor that did everything, including surgery. So, you know, they doctors in the 60s, family docs, they delivered all their own babies. They did all their own basic surgeries of tonsillectomies and appendectomies and gallbladders. I mean, they did everything. There weren't specialists very many places. I mean, you really had to go to the big centers to find a specialist. And so that was some of my first exposure to osteopathy. And so that got me thinking about, well, one, also, I wanted to do some manipulation. And um, unfortunately, medical doctors are not taught manipulation no. and osteopaths are. So I thought, okay, that's kind of the best of both worlds. And that's what uh, got me into osteopathic school. But honestly, what I've found today, particularly because of the integration of all the residencies and whatever, MDs and DOs are indistinguishable. Yeah. And the reality is that 80% of osteopaths do not do manipulation and do nothing with manipulation um, in their practices. So they are indistinguishable. So how were you able to express your interest in the holistic approach? And, and, and I'm going to throw in the fact that you are knowledgeable in chelation, 
prolotherapy, you do a number of the modalities of the integrative doctor. How did that evolve in, in your medical career? Part of it had to do with the medical school that I chose was one that at that time, Western um, University Health Sciences in Pomona, California, they did not have locked in contracts with hospitals for all of the first two years of rotation or third and fourth year rotations. And therefore, we we're allowed to do more um, individual seeking uh -huh. of facilities to go and do our rotations. So because of that, mm -hmm. I was able to find physicians that were doing some alternative things. So I was able to find the Bourne Clinic in Michigan. I found a, a DO DDS in Reno, Nevada. I found a, a couple of different ones in Florida that were more holistically minded and more integrative medicine minded. And so I got introduced to chelation therapy. I got introduced to prolotherapy. I got introduced to IV nutrition. Um, all of those things done by, well, MDs and DOs, because I rotated with, with, with both. And so that started me right out as third and fourth year medical student. And obviously, as you know, in residency, you don't get any of that um, because you just need to pass a test. I mean, that's really the reality is you get your license, you pass your test and then, okay, now you can do what it is you're going to do. But because of that rotation, I actually was offered a job by Dr. Bourne in my fourth year of medical school. He said, well, when you get done with your training, come back here. We'd like to have you come back. And so that's what I did. And um, already then introduced to those kinds of um, therapies from the get go. Well, and we had a fascinating conversation about lead and 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 uh, how lead gets into the soil and how when we do diagnostic chelations here at Reardon Clinic, which I did from the very beginning when I started here, I had no training in it in medical school, but uh, Dr. Reardon was a, a chelator. Uh, I've been amazed at how many people have lead poisoning. And we were talking about, uh, what is it, lead artesanate? Is that what it is that uh, they use, they spray on the crops? Yeah. Well, what happened was it actually started with Paris Green back in the 1800s as an insecticide. It was an arsenic-based um, uh, dye, and they found out it would work as, a, as an insecticide. Well, then they found out that lead arsenate was even more effective. And so up until the 40s, when 1940s, when DDT was introduced, lead arsenate was the chemical of choice, insecticide of choice for all of agriculture. Well, the highest doses applied were in areas of warmer weather where we had a lot of fruit, vegetables, and um, the seasonal uh, foods. And those soils are heavy clay soils, many of them. So they retained the lead and the arsenic in the soils and today continues to come out just like the DDT does continue to come out in the food. And in fact, if you look at the study was done uh, about a year ago at rice products, oh, yeah. American rice has the highest arsenic levels of any rice right. in the world. Why? It's because where it's grown, the soil is loaded with arsenic. And so the same thing, we're getting lead from those foods as well. And a recent study I saw 
food is the primary source today for this generation as far as lead toxicity is concerned. Yours and my um, um, generation and my parents, our parents' generation, that would have been leaded gasoline, lead paint, lead piping, and so on. But today's generation, it seems to be the food and water in many cases too. There's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Live On Labs, makers of liposomal vitamins and supplements. Live On uses a liposomal encapsulation technology to protect nutrients from destruction in the digestive system. This allows for more efficient delivery of essential vitamins and nutrients. Choose from various supplements that support health and well-being, such as lipospheric vitamin C, magnesium, glutathione, and more. To learn more, visit Live On Labs. That's L-I-V-O-N-Labs.com. So the prolotherapy, how did that come into into your 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 medical bag of treatments? How did that evolve in you? Yeah, very good. Well, again, both the rotation that I did with the Bourne Clinic and also the dentist rotation in Reno, both of those docs did prolotherapy. And so in my third year and fourth year, I got exposed to that in um, rotations, actually. Very early. That's and cool. so it was very early. And then subsequently, I went to a number of courses on uh, prolotherapy and then, of course, became a part of the organization. And then uh, another area that I know you have great expertise in is bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And so I'm curious as to where that came into your 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 medicine bag of treatment. Yes. Well, actually started at the Bourne Clinic because Dr. Bourne um, was kind of a pioneer in um, GYN, OBGYN therapy. He was an old uh, um, 60s doc who, again, delivered all of his own babies and did a lot of GYN and and female medicine. He was the first doc in Western Michigan to bring in colposcopy. Um, and started um, hormone replacement therapy. And so that was my introduction and initial training when I my first job um, was out of there. Well, over time, I realized that um, it was okay. It was better than nothing, but it wasn't working with a lot of women, particularly postmenopausal women. And one of those was my mother. Ah. And so, you know, we have great motivation when you have family. Mm-hmm. And so I... Um, got to a point where I was just really frustrated. It just wasn't the standard things weren't working. And so I ended up going to a conference where my future wife, Lisa Everett, lectured on bioidentical hormones and the use of troches. And so that was the first time I looked at the the biochemistry behind it, the pharmacodynamics, and she was um, explaining all of that. And I said, okay, good. My mother will be my first guinea pig with that. And she's 90 today and still on troches. And so that kind of was how that whole process evolved. And subsequently, I've ended up being um, involved with a lot of um, hormone replacement therapy patients. Well, and it and it extends even beyond just uh, the hormone replacement and you know an aging you know menopausal women because yes. uh, nowadays what we're dealing with is the metabolic disease that just seems to be engulfing the planet and yes. diabetes, obesity, fatigue, depression, you know, and these are all related to mitochondrial dysfunction. And and I was in just in talking with you, uh, we were going over the fact that uh, hormones 
can be very powerful energizing uh, elements in a person that's dealing with chronic fatigue or has any type of chronic illness. They may be suffering from poor hormonal uh, production and as well as thyroid insufficiency. And these can uh, perpetuate a poor metabolism. And if, and if that's the yes. case, you're just not going to get well. That is correct. A absolutely. Um, um, we are wonderfully made. And all of those things have to be hitting on all cylinders in order for us to really gain health. And unfortunately, we have so many endocrine disruptors in the environment today, uh, yeah. particularly atrazine and Roundup, just to name two, but the two primary ones that really interfere with our endocrine system, including the thyroid system, including the adrenals, adrenals. and yep. the uh, sex hormones. I mean, all of them it interferes with because it chelates our out the key nutrients that are precursors in those hormones working like they're supposed to. So, yep, yeah. it's a big problem. Now, here's a whole other area of your of your of your development is that you were in the Air Force for many many decades, and you yourself had a number of concussions and head injuries. I understand, and yes, uh, you know, we just did a talk not recently on microglia dysfunction. Uh, do you feel like you have things that patients can do to help them? Because we have so many people that have brain inflammation. How does this play into your, your background and what what can you offer to help patients? Well, of way? course, there's uh, for, particularly for most doctors, you know, there's nothing like the self-motivation, <laughs> you know, your <laughs> own health issues in order to motivate you to learn things about that condition. And I had um, uh, five concussions and, and two loss of consciousness. And so... Um, it was a significant issue. I was starting to have sundowners uh, 10, 15 years ago, a little bit and um, headaches and I shouldn't be having them and, and various things like that. And I had done a lot of hyperbarics anyway, um, but hadn't really put the whole thing together. And then finally, I um, in getting together with my wife and also a uh, neurologist, uh, Dr. Haltewanger, who is now passed, um, specialized in the uh, neurobiochemistry of um, head injuries. And uh. so he helped us as well in moving along, understanding some of that process. And of course, then treating myself in addressing the damage. And, and um, one thing that kind of put this on the um, radar for most people is the movie concussion, yeah. which was the documentary about the NFL's covering up right. um, head traumas and what the long-term consequence of CTE, chronic traumatic encephalitis are uh, or is because of the head traumas. And so that really has gotten more people involved in at least doing that research and looking for solutions. Unfortunately, conventional medicine still just drugs people into oblivion rather than addressing the underlying inflammation in the brain. And so, as you know, you have to look at all those things. You have to look at the lead and the other toxic metals and the pesticides and their diet and all of those the things. Gut that and the microbiome. Gut yes, and microbiome. Absolutely. Yeah. microbiome. Because that connects to the brain through the vagus nerve. And, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, the all these gut different brain things. connection. Yeah. So uh, I am thrilled that you're coming aboard to Reardon Clinic. You are coming aboard as uh, you're going to be training for the chief medical officer role. And I'm curious, 
what was it that attracted you to Reardon Clinic? What what was it that kind of got your juices going in terms of what you know about Reardon Clinic that made you want to come to us? Yes, yeah, very good. I think uh, part of it is the professionalism and the um, approach that the Reardon Clinic takes with uh, looking at a holistic approach, um, as well as my first introduction was in the 1980s when um, Dr. Hugh was still uh, alive and I was there with Phil Callahan doing research on the breath of cancer patients. And so I was familiar with a Reardon clinic at that time, but hadn't really followed him too much. And then uh, began to look back at the investigation um, of the Reardon clinic and the, the Overland park office and the various things that uh, Reardon did. And I thought, gosh, that's kind of where I would like to uh, kind of end up in my career as far as um, dealing with one, those kind of people, and also uh, just the overall program. Well, I've always been very impressed with the Air Force. Of course, we have a son that's in the Air Force, but you spent 30 years, is that right, in the, in the Air 29 Force? Years, 29 yes, years. 29 years. 29 years. But there's a lot of leadership that goes into uh, being in, a, in a, uh, any, any one of the uh, armed services. But, but Air Force, to me, uh, of course, I'm, I'm biased, but what, what, <laughs> did you, what did you get out of being in the Air Force? What, what was the, the real personal take-home for you, I think the the most important thing is is that um, pretty much everything that we decide to do is a team sport. Yeah, and the success of any leader is as much because of the success of the people uh, that they oversee as it is the person themselves. And the best generals that I saw, the best um, um, I- elite leaders I saw. Um, we're very humble in that perspective, recognizing fully that they're not the ones that did the daily execution of things. It was the team that did that and really encouraging and helping that team to do its job is where the success came. And um, yes, of course, the leader um, either took the fall for the failure <laughs> or uh, the credit for the success. But the bottom line is, is that um, it's still a team sport, regardless of what we do. And that was really the take home message. And for people to survive on the on the battlefield, um, it was a team sport. Um, and th- that's the only way they could survive. And the same thing in um, combat casualty care. It's a team sport. And when uh, when those wounded come in, you have to be able to triage them. You have to be able to then uh, take them to whatever area they were triaged for. And so it's a whole team thing that coming out the end, a living um, recovering, um, wounded soldier. And so, um, no one person, um, could be tagged with, um, making it all happen. It's just impossible for that process to occur. Yeah. In my uh, 35 years here at the Reardon Clinic, we, we see a lot of wounded co-learners, people who have been through so much trying to find the root causes of their illness and, uh, looking for innovative ways to get well. And, I personally am just totally thrilled that you're coming on board with us because I think you, you. you're a man of integrity and you have a lot of experience and and you're well grounded, literally, uh, in, in 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 nutritional medicine. And so, uh, 
may I just say welcome aboard and and thank you so much for choosing us. And uh, I know our our uh, co-learners are going to be really thrilled to be working with you. So, Dr. Arden Anderson, thank you for being on our podcast too. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to the uh, teamwork and uh, coming to Reardon. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.